You know, isn't that true? Well, we all long for happiness when it comes to marriage, when it comes to relationships. But if that's true, the question I have is why do so many couples seem to miss it? Well, the clickbait heading for today is they thought their marriage was normal. What they discovered was actually horrifying. Did you know that God says that the prayers of someone who treats their spouse poorly will be hindered? In fact, the Bible says there's an interesting correlation between how we engage with our spouse and how God engages with us. First Peter puts it this way. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the spouse as a weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, if you're married, that verse ought to arrest your attention. It's addressed primarily to husbands, but it offers valuable wisdom to wives as well. That phrase, dwell with them with understanding, should give every one of us pause. It's an exhortation to pay careful attention to how you treat and interact with your spouse. It literally means to live with them according to knowledge. In other words, Peter is saying we've got a lot to learn when it comes to relating to the opposite sex. In other words, if you want to relate successfully to your spouse, then you're going to have to go back to school. You're going to have to become a student of the opposite sex. Now, why is that? Well, it's because you happen to marry a creature that's profoundly different than you. I mean, he is male and she is female. So Peter is saying here that you can't make any assumptions. Don't assume that they're like you. Don't assume that what moves them moves you. Don't assume that... Uh, they can reason and think the way you do or think just like you because they're different than you. And those differences go all the way back to the earliest stages of life. In fact, Dr. Bussington of Harvard Research Institute did a number of studies on the differences between men and women in one of uh, his research projects, he went out to pre, the preschool playground and recorded the sounds coming out of little preschoolers' mouths. He made an interesting discovery. He discovered that 100% of the sounds coming out of little girls' mouths were recognizable words. 100%. Only 60% of the sounds coming out of little boys' mouths were recognizable words. I mean, there were explosions, machine gun fire, grunts. I mean, verrooms, bodily sounds. And I want you to know that those differences carry through to adult life, only they become more sophisticated. Professor of linguistics, Dr. Deborah Tannen, identified one of the different, one of many differences between male and female in her book entitled You Don't Understand Men and Women in Conversation. I want you to notice what she said. Women feel like marriage is working as long as they can talk about it. Men feel like it's working if they don't 
talk about it. To her, home is a place where you're free to talk. To him, it's a place where you're not, where you are free not to talk. I have asked several thousand women how much time they need to spend with their husbands in meaningful conversation. On the average, a wife says 45 minutes to an hour daily. Husbands, on the other hand, say 15 to 20 minutes once a week. You can see those differences, can't you? Uh, You know, when I got married, I had no idea I was marrying a creature from a different planet. I mean, I was in love, and I wanted Patty to know how much I loved her, so I wanted to get her a a very special uh, wedding present. So... uh, a couple of days, two or three days before the wedding, I invited her over to the apartment we'd be living in. I blindfolded her. I led her upstairs. The anticipation was just building and building. We got to the top of the stairs, and I said, okay, you can take off the blindfold. And there in front of Patty was a brand new washer and dryer. Wow! And I was waiting for the, oh, wow, honey, that's so neat. That's wonderful. But when I looked at her face, I realized I was light years away from wow. Seeing the tear work her way down her cheek, I began to realize I was in trouble. Now, I mean, I, I, I'm thinking that, that, you know, every time she does laundry, she's going to be reminded of how deeply I love her. You know, I'm thankful in those early years of marriage, there's an abundance of forgiveness that's being offered. Uh, but Peter seems to imply here that there are benefits that come from understanding, having knowledge about your spouse, the opposite sex. Well, I've discovered you know, one area is when Valentine's Day comes up. I mean, it, it comes around every year. And, and I've learned... Through past experience, I can't wait to the last minute. I have to ask myself, okay, uh, no, what does Patty need to hear me say that's not natural for me to say? And I have to think about that. A couple years ago, I decided to make her a homemade Valentine's Day card. Uh, Now, that was going to require some thought. Guys, you need to know it takes a while for your brain to boot up. So look at that blank piece of paper. More I thought about it. Some words began to come, then some phrases, then kind of a theme of the thing. I'm, I'm kind of writing the thing down and I'm designing it as I go. Now, that's a whole lot different than, you know, the day before, thing, um, day before Valentine's Day, going to Kroger buying the last card on the shelf and the, and the flowers and just jotting at the bottom, love, Doug. You see, I've learned, because she's different than me, that if what I put in that card is specific and detailed and thought through and talks about what she means to me, I'm speaking her language. I'm speaking female. And that's because... She is female and we're different. Now, that's exactly why Peter says, dwell with them with understanding. In other words, you've got to become a student of your spouse. 
Now, now, guys, I want you to know what I've just said just barely scratches the surface of how to relate to your spouse. And the reason for that is that that's what we're going to focus on this year in our men's ministry uh, and how you can engage with the person you're married to. I want to encourage you to participate. And wise, I want to encourage you to encourage your husband to participate. There are benefits that will arise out of their being in that class. All you've got to do is go online and sign up at that website. And then, then you've got to remember to set your alarm the first Tuesday in, in October so you can be here at 6.09 a.m. But I promise you it'll be worth it. I promise you. Now, having urged us to become a student of our spouse, Peter wants you to know you're now in a position to become a blessing to your spouse. Now, look at the next verse. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous. Notice, Peter gives us two words to help us with our thinking. We've got to be of one mind. We've got to be courteous. He gives us three words to help us with our feelings. There is compassion, brotherly, tender-hearted. Now, the rest of the verse tells us how to evaluate our actions. So let's continue. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, become a blessing. I mean, what Peter is saying here is that when you've been wronged, you can act in one of two ways. Well, you can choose to react. Now, reacting is natural. It's involuntary. It's really automatic. It's, it's doing as was done unto you. So you can choose to react to that or you can choose to respond. Now, responding is acting in turn. It's thought out. It's pre-planned. It's purposeful. It's acting as you would have liked to have done unto you. Now, when we talk about reacting, the words used in the passage are reviling for reviling. I would call that an insult for insult. It's an insult for insult kind of relationship. And there are many couples across America today that live out this kind of relationship day in and day out. I mean, number one says it's designed as a meaning to hurt by action or word. It's intentional Hurting someone back. It's the little barbed attack, the public put-down, the sarcasm. Now, the problem with sarcasm is there's always an element of truth. And, and really, the best and worst examples of an insult for an insult relationship I've heard uh, come from the relationship between Winston Churchill and Lady Jane Astor. She was a member of Parliament. Lady Jane just despised the Prime Minister. One day, she approached him and said, Mr. Prime Minister, if you were my husband, I'd put poison in your drink. To which he responded quickly, and if you were my wife, I would drink it. <laughs> On another occasion, uh, Churchill had a little bit too much to drink at a party, and it just incensed Lady Jane Astor. And so she approached him and said, Mr. Churchill, you are drunk. To which he said, and Lady Jane, you're ugly, but tomorrow I'll be sober. <laughs> now, 
Our insults, our quips may not be as blatant as those between Churchill and Lady Jane Astor, but you know what? We know how to throw to lunge with the verbal put-down, don't we? Like your response to your wife who tells you, uh, you really should choose a different tie. So you say, okay, Gladys. Now, Gladys is not her name. Gladys is her mom's name. She happens to be a very controlling woman. It's your way of saying you're acting just like your mom. Or, or maybe your husband is having trouble getting into a parallel parking situation. And after four tries, you say, it's okay, honey, I can walk to the curb from here. It's the little barbed put-downs, the sarcasm. And insults can be funny just on the surface, but if used in the context of marriage, you know what it leaves? It leaves relational toxic waste. And over time... It poisons the marriage. There's the little caustic remarks. Well, that's the insult for insult relationship. And, and number two says it's rooted in unforgiveness and a hardened heart. In fact, a friend told me about a man who was looking for a used car on the Internet, and he came across a very unique ad. It said, Porsche, excellent condition, $50. He thought, that's a scam, but his curiosity got the best of him. He made contact. He called a number. Nice lady seemed with a pleasant voice answered the phone. She assured him that she indeed had a Porsche 911 for sale for $50. He said, well, lady, let, let me give you my driver's license number, my social security. I'm coming over right now. I, I'll buy it sight unseen. She, he hung up and made it as quickly as he could over to where she lived. He knocked on the door, and this very nice, pleasant lady came to the door, showed him the car, and to his shock, it was in pristine condition. He said, well, can I take it for a test drive? She tossed him the keys. It drove like a dream. He couldn't believe it. He pulls back into her driveway. He gives her the keys. Then he takes five $10 bills out of his wallet not thinking she'd really take it, and he hands it to her. She takes the money, and to his shock, she signs over the title in his name and hands him both sets of keys. Well, he is ecstatic. He can't wait to get home and tell his wife. He turns to run back to his car, and then he paused. He said, well, wait, lady, you've got to know, you could have sold that car for so much more. Why did you sell it so cheaply? She said, well... My husband called me last week. He's in Vegas. He told me he was leaving me for his secretary and would not be home. He asked me to sell his car and send him the money. That's what she did. Now, that's an unforgiving heart, isn't it? So how does a couple get to that point in their life? Well, number three says that this insult-for-insult relationship focuses on my rights, on my feelings. In fact, it was James Dobson who defined forgiveness as giving up my right to hate you for hurting me. Maybe we should say to hurt you back for hurting me. But you need to know forgiveness is costly. But someone has said that the longer you carry a grudge, the heavier it gets. 
I would say the lonelier it gets as well. As long as you're focused on my rights, you'll never find the freedom of forgiveness in a marriage relationship. And then fourth, it says an insult for insult relationship could be illustrated by the behavior of hiding and hurling. Now, there are two kinds of people in a marriage relationship. They're hiders and they're hurlers. I'm not talking about projectile vomiters, okay? Uh, When I grew up, I grew up in a relatively new neighborhood where new construction was always going on. And when a construction crew would bring in loads of topsoil to spread on the new houses, I mean, my friends and I would have a ball playing dirt clod wars. All the boys in the neighborhood, we'd divide into two teams and we'd get behind our designated mounds. And I discovered there are two different kinds of dirt clod war participants. Uh, there's the guy who stands on top of the mound. He's collected his 50 dirt clods and he's just pelting the other mound as if to say, just try to get your head up. Just try. I got you. Now, now that obviously is a hurler. Uh, but the other kind of participant was a hider. Uh, a hider would get down behind his mound. He'd have his dirt clods there and he would just kind of loft it over his head and just hope for the best. That's a hider. Now, a hider in marriage is someone who clams up. They hold in their feelings. They're not verbal. They hide. What's wrong, honey? Nothing. Now, Now, we husbands have come to know that nothing doesn't mean nothing. No, it means something. So we ask again, no, no, honey, what's wrong? Really, what's wrong? Nothing. Honey, come on, you can tell me. Tell me what's wrong. Well, if you can't figure it out, I'm not telling you. That's a hider. They're not declaring what's going on inside. They hold in their hurts. Uh, But some of us are hurlers. Now, hurlers, well, they vent. They tell you what they think and a whole lot more. Uh, Hurlers take cheap shots. They can... Become name callers, all right, melonhead, okay, space cadet, things like that. Little dirt clods that come at you and you wonder, whoa, 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 what did I do to deserve that? Well, number five tells you exactly where they came from. Notice it says one of the problems associated with an insult for insult relationship is reacting to your mate's insult out of habit. Someone has said habits are like Soft beds, easy to get into, hard to get out of. I wonder what situation you find yourself in where it it just becomes easy to hurl back an insult, a comment, rather than resolve the conflict. Well, over the years of Uh, marriage speaking I've done and talking to couples, I've collected a few. See if you can identify with any of these. Maybe when you feel tired, you find yourself quickly responding with an insult. Or maybe when you're under stress, you're under time pressure, maybe you respond back with a sarcasm of some sort. Or maybe when you're in different moods. I mean, one of you is affectionate, the other is preoccupied. Husband is watching the Super Bowl on TV. It's an intense game. His wife comes in, wants to join him. She sits down next to him. She begins playing with the little hairs on the back of his neck. 
Honey, honey, come on. Honey, honey move, move in the head, hon. Hon, not start the Super Bowl. I mean, she meant it as it being affectionate. But because he was in a different place, a different mood, he took it as an insult. And so he ended up insulting her back. Maybe when you feel unappreciated. When men are sleepy. I don't know how many times Patty and I have got ready for bed, got in bed, got comfortable and turned off the light. And then I've heard the two most dreaded words in the English language. Let's talk. Huh? I mean, when I'm tired, when I'm sleepy, I mean, I can hurl back an insult, some kind of sarcasm. Maybe when you're publicly embarrassed or maybe when you're in a hurry, when you've been misunderstood, you walk in, you make an innocent comment like, looks like you got your hair done. What's wrong with it? And you wonder what you walked into. Or maybe, guys, you come home, your wife's been taking care of three little ones all day, and you, you just want to engage in some innocent conversation. You say, come here, honey, sit down, tell me, what have you been doing all day? Boom, it just explodes on you. She takes it as you imply, and she's not doing anything. So you're misunderstood. Well, you kind of get the picture, don't you? I mean, you can respond out of habit, and we all have habits where we do those kinds of things. And when we do, you enter an insult-for-insult relationship. Now, there is good news. Peter doesn't leave us hanging. Uh, There's a second kind of relationship he mentions here in the second half of verse 9. I'd call it the blessing-for-insult relationship. It's found in that phrase, but on the contrary, become a blessing. You could define it as responding kindly when offended. So so your wife insults you. You don't insult her back. Instead, you decide, I'm going to love her back. Your husband, he he manipulates you. You don't manipulate back. Instead, you don't indulge the manipulation, but you uh, deepen your commitment to him. Or maybe she attacks you, you don't attack back. Instead of demanding justice, you decide to extend mercy. And this kind of relationship is illustrated by the behavior of responding with forgiveness instead of reacting in anger. Remember, forgiveness is giving up my right to hurt you back for hurting me. Notice, it's not stuffing your emotions. It's not pretending the hurt didn't happen. But instead of reacting to what your spouse does, you purposely decide to respond. In other words, you do to them how you would have liked them to do unto you. By the way, do you know what the difference is between reacting and responding? Three seconds. It just takes three seconds to give up your right to hurt your mate back. That's the difference. So uh, how do you do that? Well, look at number three. It says this blessing for insult relationship has its focus on God. You've got to focus on God and the promises of his word. Now, notice it doesn't say the focus is on the person who hurt you. Can't focus there. Uh, It doesn't say that you are to focus on the hurtful circumstances. 
or on the insulting comments that have come your way. But the focus is on God and the promises of his word. And you also need to know that when you do, all of God's power will be available to you uh, when you entrust yourself to the father like this. In fact, this kind of blessing for insult relationship was beautifully modeled by our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's wonderfully captured in the preceding chapter of the same book, First uh, Peter. In fact, there it says this. He, uh, talking about Jesus, who, okay, who meaning Jesus, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him, that's God, who will judge all things righteously. And the key is found in that phrase, he committed himself to him who judges righteously. To, to forgive, you see, you've got to place, we've got to place our trust in God. We trust he's going to judge this thing righteously. And I have to leave the unfairness of it all for him to work out in his timing, in his way. So what happens when you adopt this blessing for insult relationship? Well, he goes on to say, you actually end up inheriting a blessing. You're going to bless someone else, your spouse, you're going to end up inheriting a blessing. Look at the rest of the verse. Know that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who, lo- who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him uh, seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And look, his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now notice, first of all, it says you inherit a blessing. In other words, good's going to come your way. God uh, says he promises to grace your life with uh, well, peace and fulfillment and contentment, ultimately oneness with your spouse. I mean, that's exactly what he means in the verse when he says uh, loving life and seeing good days. But notice as well, he also indicates that you will have a full life. Now, why is that? Well, you see, it's our pursuit of blessing others that becomes a direct attack on our natural selfishness. And it has direct impact on our own personal growth and maturity. I love the words of Chuck Swindoll. Listen to what he says. Maturity is in a stage in one's development when to live with oneself in a satisfying manner, one must give rather than receive. And then B reminds us that God will also be attentive to your prayers. I mean, Peter's specific words are he hears, his ears are open to their prayers. You see, what we're talking about here is walking with God is this process, this step-by-step process where we learn to lean into him and trust him in every situation, especially those situations when we feel treated unfairly by our spouses. Sometime back, I spent a day rock climbing. I hadn't done it for a while. You know how when you do something again that's new, you develop soreness that sets in about 24 hours later. Well, the next day, I, 
I had a hard time breathing. It hurt so bad. You're rock climbing. I mean, you're using your fingertips. You're using your toes. I mean, muscles you didn't even know you had. So it was a Saturday, and I decided that I just would lay on the couch and watch the NBA playoffs and maybe eat Advil like after dinner mints or something, you know. Well, it was halftime. I know I had about 15, 20 minutes to do several things I wanted to do. I wanted to go change clothes, put on a new pair of shoes, another pair of shoes, and um, brush my teeth. And then there was an illustration that I, I wanted to find in a book that I had been reading. So I headed upstairs, and there Patty was laying across the bed. She had the calendars open. She was looking at summer schedules. So she began asking me questions. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of bouncing around the room, changing, going, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I don't want to do this. That's going to cost us too much money. You know, well, what if we do this? What if we save money this way? Have you thought about this? And so I'm kind of interacting with her. And then I'm, I've got to go in the bathroom to brush my teeth. So I say, honey, I'm going to the bathroom now. Uh, you got to talk louder because I'm running water, okay? Talk louder, talk louder, okay? And I go in there and I brush my teeth and I'm coming out and I'm giving yes and no answers. And then I motion to her. I'm okay, going back into the bathroom. Can't talk, but I'm giving her hand motions. And I, I go back in, I clean up, and I come out. And she's still asking me questions. And I kind of look at my watch and I realize halftime's going to be over with in about five minutes. I'm not going to have time to find that illustration in the book. So I had the book in hand. I kind of opened it to the page I wanted to look at, and I just kind of held it out there like this, hoping she'd get the hint. I'm subtle, aren't I? And she looked up at me. She said, Doug, it really hurts when it seems like you're not listening. Oh, honey, I'm listening. I can tell you everything you said. She said, yeah, I think you hear my words, but no, you're not listening. You know, she was right. But what she did next shocked me. She said, your back hurts, doesn't it? Why don't you climb up here on this bed and let me give you a back rub? Really? Yeah, just climb up here. I bet you in about 15 minutes I could rub all that soreness out of your back. Well, I mean, I like the NBA playoffs, but, I mean, they can't hold a candle to, the back, to a back rub. I said, you're not joking, are you? She said, no, no, come on, get up here, get up here, let me do it for you. So I climbed up on the bed, kept one eye on her at all times. <laughs> I laid down, and she straddled me, and, I mean, she started kneading the sore muscles in my back. And guess what? She wasn't talking. She wasn't asking any questions. She's just working. I'm doing the talking. I mean, I'm moaning. I'm groaning. I'm going, oh, 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 oh up there, up there, up there. Yeah, to the right, to the right, to the right. No, the other way, the other way. Oh, golly, that's it, that's it. And for the next 10, 15 minutes, she rubbed all the soreness out of my back. Now, I know what you ladies are thinking. You didn't deserve that. You're right, I didn't. Some of you are thinking, that's not what I'd have done to you. Well, what Patty did was not natural. It was supernatural. I mean, she could have met my insult by barking back an additional insult. But she didn't. Now, notice she didn't stuff her emotions. She declared them. She said, it really hurts when it seems like you aren't listening. And then she chose 
to give me a blessing instead. I'm telling you, that changed the whole dynamic of our relationship that day. Now, listen to this. If you don't get anything else, I want you to hear this. If you want to change someone's life, love them when they least expect it and least deserve it. Love them when they least expect it and least deserve it. And that little thing can have huge impact on your mate. Thanks, Kenny. You know, that smallest thing is extending grace and mercy. I mean, grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do. Extending that to our mates, and you can do it because that's exactly what God has extended to us. I'm going to ask Chad and Drew to to come up for a minute. Chad's got something he wants to present. Yeah, we are so excited uh, to make an announcement this morning. For the last uh, two years, we have an opportunity to work with uh, Drew. So for those of you who have seen our custom home booklets and our Honest to God booklets and you thought that I was writing it, <laughs> uh, Drew and I have been actually uh, working on that together. He has done most of the hard work with a team of uh, volunteers and other staff members, and he's been doing that from Rockford. So for the last two years, we have an opportunity to work together, and he just wanted to be so faithful to the church he was part of to set them up for success long term. But after two years of us working together, uh, we are so excited to report that uh, Drew and his family are here in town, and they are joining staff as of this week. So can we welcome uh, Drew and his family uh, to the church? So exciting. So we're glad to have you be part of it. His uh, wife, Melissa, and four kids, Axel, Simeon, and uh, the whole crew there behind me. Um, he's going to be working in a variety of areas. As we Doug talked today about ways in which we can grow uh, in our marriages, you know, we have family nights coming up here soon of our equipping ministry. We're going to have marriage uh, nights and date nights coming up again. We're going to ha- I think we had over 800 people in small groups uh, last year. So Drew will be working with the equipping team on small groups. He'll be working with some weekend teaching, as he's been done already. But he's also be working with uh, a variety of ministries uh, in different ways during his first year, and mostly during the first year, getting to know you. So uh, please uh, take uh, Drew to lunch or respond to him when he does ask you to lunch. Uh, get to know him. Uh, get to uh, feel for his heart and his love. He loves basketball. He loves talking with uh, parents and with uh, teenagers about how to navigate the strange world of video games and how to make decisions as a parent in there, uh, but mostly has a heart for helping people grow and connect spiritually. So, again, we welcome you guys, and thanks for being here. We really appreciate it. So, I t- he told me that if I gave him a microphone, he's used to having 30 minutes. I told him, well, give him a mic, but you only get 30 seconds. So, uh, but I did want you to hear his heart for those of you who haven't met or heard Drew before. Thanks, thanks, Chad. Uh, yeah, I'll keep it short. <laughs> Um, you know, I did just want to just want to say to all of you that it really has been a joy over the last couple of years getting to know a lot of you and spending time here and just learning a ton from guys like Chad and Doug and Marcus and some of our, our elders and other leaders here. And uh, for our family, that's really been a, a powerful couple of years that God has been teaching us a lot, uh, growing a lot of things in us and in our marriage. Um, and so we really feel like uh, for all the kind of journey that we've been on, this is a moment where we kind of feel like now you see God's timing. And so we are really excited to be here. We believe that God has been doing awesome things here at Horizon. And we're just really giving God a lot of thanks that, uh, that we get to be a part of it going forward. So, so thank you for having us. And uh, thank you that we get to keep learning right along with you. And I know I was teasing Doug a little bit this morning because I just learned a lot from Doug this morning. 
And uh, Melissa's not here today, so I get to take all of that home and pretend I came up with it myself. <laughs> but watch for her in the hallway, too. You know, if you see me next week, uh, it, we're looking forward to uh, Belle, Axel, Obed, and Simeon, are our kids, and Melissa, my wife, uh, getting to be here with me and know all of you, too. So thanks for having us. Oh, and every time we uh, bring a, a senior leader onto our team, we love to just pray for them on behalf of the whole church. So ask Doug to just pray for him and that he would just continue to be a blessing to us and to you guys as the years go by. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you for all that you're doing here at Horizon, and that we all get to be a part of that. And thank you for bringing Drew and Melissa Uh, to Cincinnati to join us in this unique mission you've called us to. May you give Drew strength, the strength and courage he's going to need in order to embrace the role you've got him to play here at Horizon. And I also ask that you give him wisdom and discernment to respond with your heart of grace and mercy and truth to the multiplicity of situations he will encounter over the next decade or two. Also pray protection over his family. I ask you to put a hedge of protection around his marriage. Would you draw he and Melissa closer together? Uh, encourage them, prod them to resolve conflicts as they arise and to model for their kids the biblical marriage you desire all of us to have. And I also pray their protection, your protection over his kids. Bell, Axel, Obed, and Simeon. And Father, would you continue to expand our influence at Horizon among leaders here in Cincinnati so that they can discover what we have already discovered about who you are and the adventure you have for us to live in life with you. It's in Christ's name and authority I pray it. Amen. Amen. Can we thank Drew one more time for just joining our team? Thank you, Drew. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for being with us today. We have one more week left in our clickbait series. So uh, join us next week as we talk about uh, uh, rewards and the things that can really change your life and motivating you to make decisions coming into the fall. If you're interested in joining a group, you can check out our website, horizoncc.com. Look for groups. Lots of groups starting in the next couple of weeks. If you're new to the church, we'd love to put a name with the face this morning. Uh, third door on your left is a hearth room. We'd love to say hi. And then finally, uh, if you came prepared to give, there's some offer your boxes in the way out. We'll see you next week. And again, we appreciate you being here today.